Good evening, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight here at Liberty Lake Church, uh, live in our makeup, made-up studio, whatever it is. We got we got this little space carved out that we're using here. Um, and uh, thanks, just Stefan, for joining me tonight. I'm I'm really glad. You know, one of the things I've enjoyed is that we keep having really difficult texts, and I keep getting these guys to come back and and help me wrestle with this. So it's just I, I don't know why we do it. I know, right? We were talking about that. It's like, why do we keep doing this? It seems like every time we're in Just the like word, slap in your face <laughs> every oh, Wednesday. Man, it and this this week particularly has been really challenging. The text has been very challenging, and um, I, I'm confident that you will find it equally as challenging as what we have. So mm-hmm. um, two things. First, I want to uh, just remind everybody that church, we, we're, we're reopening. We actually had our uh, services open last Sunday, and we had right around 50 people show up. And uh, so we had a great service, and things went really, really well. I want to encourage you, if you are uh, still concerned about um, your own health issues and and you know worried about the contraction of COVID or or any other disease in that, you know, as far as that goes at this point, if you're very concerned about your health, feel free to continue to use our online services. Um, it is not that we don't want to see you, um, but we definitely do not want to put you at harm or, or at risk in any, in any fashion. Um, but if you have young kids and, and you're thinking, man, I just don't want to go and be in the service because I don't want to be a distraction or what am I going to do with my kids? Um, we actually have the fireside room set up. It's going to be broadcasting the service down there as well. Um, and there will be option there. That's an option for you if if you're interested in doing that. But you got to know, I love kids. They really have a hard time distracting me. Um, so please feel free to 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 come and, yep. and join us and be part of the service. And uh, we'll do our best to social distance. Um, some of you people love hugging one another, and you didn't. You misbehaved a little bit on Sunday, and actually gave people hugs. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, it was like they loved one another. It was the weirdest thing. Um, miss each other. It's good. I think it's we a good do. Sign. I think we do. I think I yeah. think people really missed being here and and fellowshipping together. So, again, being a little sarcastic here, but w- w- it was really wonderful to see uh, some of you, and we look forward to seeing many more as the uh, weeks continue and as we. Uh, continue to reopen and and the the fellowship time grows and is deeply enriching. So mm-hmm. uh, let's open in prayer and and we'll begin this evening and grab our text and see if we get through the the two verses that we were <laughs> that we were thinking about trying to get through tonight. So yeah. um, you want to pray for us and sure. then yeah. we'll, we'll jump in. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for this day, your goodness in our lives. Thank you for being the constant light. Um, the only thing that really remains constant in our lives mm. in this time of uh, <clears throat> turmoil and uncertainty. Father, I pray today that you would open our eyes, um, open our hearts to your word, um, that you would reveal things to us, truths, um, eternal truths, that we would know you better after this, uh, mm. this study. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, so in your text, grab, open up your Bibles to uh, James chapter four. Uh, we're going to be in verses 11 and 12 in theory. We're hoping that we get all the way through them. Um, but I want to remind you where we're at in James chapter four. Remember, in the beginning of that passage, James is actually looking at the church saying, hey, if you have quarrels and disputes among you, th- then you are uh, you're, you're fighting and, and having all these problems. And he even he calls them murderers and adulterers. And he says that in that process, you're actually under the influence of the flesh and and you're not following god we're 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 actually 
really misbehaving. We're, we're behaving like what we're going to see tonight, like the Jews did before they were punished by God in disobedience and in rebellion mm-hmm. uh, to his word, uh, even to the point where he calls the, the church out into mourning because of the sin, because of the condition of their heart, that they should mourn and, and, and put on sackcloth and ashes and take the posture of mourning. Uh, he continues that um, intense, direct uh, approach to the believers, to the church uh, tonight with the language that he gives us in James uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So let me read that for you. If you guys would open up your Bibles, um, I'm going to just read James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. The text says this, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks e- uh, against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Stephen, we were talking earlier as we were kind of preparing for this. We're not even sure if we're going to get all the way through both verses. Uh, just because of the time that we spent just in dealing with his re- remarks about speaking evil against one another mm-hmm. in the church, in, in, in that relationship in, in, uh, between God and, and us and our brothers, uh, other believers and, and us, and how that deeply impacts that, that whole paradigm of, of being in relationship with God. Yeah, and I, th- I think I'm, maybe it'd be a good idea, too, to take a step back and look look at chapter 4 again and just outline it as being a chapter about relationships. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, do that. I think that would I, be I awesome. I just wrote down a couple things. But, yep. Um, Wait, just a second. Yeah. Get out your Bibles. <laughs> open up your Bibles to James chapter 4 and be ready. We're, you're gonna, this is a good outline. If you ever have to preach this text, you might want to use this as a good outline. So, okay. Yeah, now, yeah just reading go. from verse 1 uh, through verse 2. Um, James starts out with flawed relationships and our relationships uh, with others being, I, I think, being um, fellow brethren, mm-hmm. uh, fellow believers. Um, and then in verse 3 through 6, it's about acceptance by the world and that destroying um, our relationship with God. Right. Um, uh, the, the actual verse talks about being an enemy. If you make yourself a friend of the world, you're an enemy with God. Um, verse 7 through 10. is about making our relationship right with God and how we do that. Um, approaching Him with the right attitude. Yeah. Uh, mourning over our sin <clears throat> and um, humbling yeah, ourselves humble, yeah. before right, this right. majestic Creator and God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then 11 through 12, our, our, our verses tonight, is about our relationship with each other um, and how that relationship is affected when we elevate ourselves in place of God, in place of the lawgiver. Um, Which is ultimately what James does at this, doesn't he? I mean, that's, we, we were wrestling with that going, James is saying you're putting yourself above God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and that goes back, that's been the sin from the beginning of the world. Um, Satan elevating himself to e- equality with God. Yeah. Because he realized, even Satan realized, that he couldn't elevate himself any higher than that. Um, but somehow... <laughs> somehow in our judging others yep. and speaking against our brothers, we're elevating ourselves 
to be that lawmaker and to to be above God. To actually replace him, to, to, to replace dethrone him, him mm-hmm. and say, yep. What arrogance I'll is take, that? I'll take that. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Man, isn't it great that it's just the Jews that have problems with this? <laughs> I mean, if only. If, if only. If only that were true. I think sometimes in the church we actually think that. We're like, well, that was a problem for the Old Testament. That was, that was something that happened in the Old Testament. In fact, we're going to take a few minutes and look at this issue of slander and, and speaking evil against one another and just see how significant the issue was in the Old Testament. How, mm-hmm. how much uh, impact it had in the Jews' relationship with one another and with God and, and how he dealt with it, how he addressed that particular behavior. The, the problem is, is that slander or uh, in, in this speaking evil against one another and judging other people, it seems like it's always tied to a whole list of other sinful issues. I haven't. I don't think I've found a text yet where it was just be, where it was like, well, if you have this one problem, well, you're pretty okay. And you know, if you don't have a tongue, you can't slander. And that's been the whole point of James too, and in in the tongue being a fire. Yeah. Well, at least you can't that, do it out loud. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> we can still do it in our heart. Ah. <laughs> uh, so what what we're gonna do? We want to take you guys on a on a real quick journey. Actually, I don't know if it'll be real quick, but. We're going to go through a couple of Old Testament passages to look at how God views this idea of speaking evil or the slanderous uh, speech uh, about speaking evil of one another and tearing one another down, um, even judging one another. Um, And so jump in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verses 15 through 18. Do you have that? Are you in a spot? Would you read that for us? Chapter 15, or uh, verse 15. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the, to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but you shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any ju- any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Here's that great quote that Jesus gives when he's asked the two, what are the, what's the great commandment? And he gives one, love God um, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm-hmm. And he says the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the text with which he's quoting that particular uh, a great commandment out of. And, and look at what it says. We, we won't be hanging around with slanderers. We're not to be running around with slanders, people who speak poorly or evil against their brothers. We're not to hold grudges against one another. We're to go and take care of issues with our neighbor, frankly, so that we don't end up in sin because of it. Mm-hmm. And then he says not to, not to hate your brother in your heart. Wait, doesn't Jesus talk about that in yeah. Matthew chapter 5, right? Being murder if, you, if you're hating your brother. Yeah, guilty of murder if mm-hmm. you hate your brother. All of, all of this is here in the Old Testament. This is back when the Israelites were getting the law from God. This is how you're going to relate to me. And, and it just shows the constancy of God. You know, yes. That he's been the same. I mean, I, look at the reason, too. He says, you know, why are you not to do these things or to do these things? It's, I am the Lord. Yeah. I am Yahweh. Right. And his name means I am. Yes. It's the same thing he tells Moses. Right. You know, I am the I am. <laughs> But, and I think, too, about my, my kids, you know, specifically Noah, who's four now. Right. And he's mischievous. <laughs> and I'm constantly, when I'm home, I'm constantly telling him, 
what to do and what not to do. Yeah. And and frequently he says, why, Daddy? Why? Right. And right. sometimes I just have to say, because I said so. I have and done he's, that. And he's got to be okay with that. Yep. And I think we have to we have to realize the same thing with God. We we don't know the reasoning of God. Yeah. And we just need to be okay sometimes with, because I am. And when you use that illustration as a parent to a son, it it's epically inaccurate in the sense of we're talking about the creator God who brought everything from nothing into oh, existence yeah. and, and, and asks his creation to just trust me. And, and you and I, we do that with our sons who are made in our image, but truly God's the one that gifted them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, our brides are a significant part of that whole process in, in the, the character and quality of their, of how they are, um, how they come out, you know, as far as the, the, their nature and their characteristics and their strengths and their, all of that stuff is combined. We play a portion or a part in that role, but literally in the creation aspect, we're very insignificant. Mm-hmm. We didn't create them. God did. Mm-hmm. And yet we want them to trust us. Trust me, son. Someday you're going to understand what I'm saying. I, I, my boys are all, my youngest is 19. All four of them are older than that. I'm at the spot where I'm like, well, someday you might believe me. <laughs> well, well, now you can see if they actually trusted you and, and took your counsel. You know, now's the time to... Oh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully you now gave them good counsel, right? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm hoping so. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I got to oh, tell man. you, no, there's no more humbling experience than watching your kids grow and leave the house. It, it's mm. And it's got to be... I mean, I really think that that part of the design of our children and our homes... It was designed by God so that we can see what he goes through. We can see the relationship that children put their parents through, um, that we put our parents through. And that so in our lives, as we age and we watch this process, we come to a better understanding of what God actually was doing, what God actually dealt with at a very minuscule level in comparison. Again, we're talking, you know, he's supernatural and, and, and universes away from our, mm-hmm. uh, above us. But mm-hmm. we get an inkling of what it's like. Yeah, and he's given us he's given us all those different roles, you know, as husband and wife, and th- those two things are being a woman, being a man. There's there's no better or worse. Right. You know, they're different roles. Yep. That that fulfill different things in in a in a healthy family, and that's what I mean. Going back to our passage, it's this life. Is all about expressing who God is, yep. obeying Him in His in His Word, in His law, mm-hmm. both the same thing yep. in our relationships, in the roles that He's placed us in, and the privileges He's given us to learn about Him, being a father, yep. being a mother, being a brother, you know. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and put let, letting Him be in His rightful place as the one law giver mm-hmm. and judge. Yeah, and, and and reminding us of what our place is, and that's what was the passage right before that? Oh yeah, humility, <laughs> and uh, exalting Him. What, well, what, let's continue. Doesn't, doesn't Matthew talk about only the pure in heart can see? Was it the uh, the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, only the pure in heart. Oh right, see right, God. right, right, right. Yep, and the and the 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 lowly and right. Could that very the very first part of the Beatitudes? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. If you really want to know your maker, you need yep. to have a right respect 
for him and realize that you are little in comparison. Absolutely. Which we don't like that. Oh. I'm pretty impressed with myself normally. <laughs> well, I see your car out in the parking lot. You know? Well, and yeah, until I until I do something, then I get noticed, then I'm like, ooh, that was a dumb that was not good. <laughs> um let's continue to look into the Old Testament and look at how God viewed this idea of slander, how how people were treating one another and how God viewed this this issue in uh, throughout the Old Testament. Psalm fifty Verse 19 through 23 says this. Uh, and I'm, yeah, in Psalms 50, starting in verse 19, follow along with me if you have your Bibles open. He says this You give your mouth free reign for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you, and I lay the charge before you. Mark this. Then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his ways rightly, I will show the salvation of God. It's incredible because in James we actually see, it's almost like James was rereading this text going, yeah, don't forget about the one who saves and can destroy. That's the one that you are throwing off of his throne. You're the one that's you're the one that is placing judgment against his own creation and telling him to get out of the way so you can give a better judgment by what? When we speak evil about one another. Mm-hmm. When we got, ugh. he takes this pretty seriously. And I love it. You were, we were talking about this. Um, you thought I was one like yourself. We, the, the, the people of Israel in this posture were saying, Nah, I'm equal to God. We're 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 pretty close. Yeah, and you don't have to say it. All you have to do is judge a brother, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you're acting it. That's and how oh. we just need to keep reminding ourselves of this passage. That's a every harsh day. reality. We should probably actually put this on a sign somewhere so that when we leave the house, we're like, oh yeah, I'm not I'm not the judge. Mm-hmm. I'm not the lawmaker. Yeah, well, and the scary thing, too, is it's a beautiful thing that God in his mercy and grace has sanctified us, that he's set us apart yes. from the rest of the world. And yep. the scary thing, though, is that he expects us to be set apart, to be different, yeah. to act different, yep. to not conform, not be accepted. And the repercussion, I mean, think about the world. They don't have these laws. Nope. They're, they don't have to. <laughs> they don't have to agree with them. They don't have to right. do them. Right. Paul even says, "What do we? We have no business judging the world." Yeah, and uh, but we have the law. We've accepted God yep. as our as our Savior and our King. Yeah. And that puts us under a condemnation if we don't engage in the battle. Yep. If we don't try. To wrestle with these things, we're going to actually read about that. Uh, that's what I love as as we're wrestling through this. We can't, you can't get away from what Scripture says about this. As much as we would like to, as much as we would like to go, you know what? Really, in the scope of uh, of eternity, this is not a big deal. I mean, so I have a bad attitude towards my brother. So I've said something that was that was hurtful about him. Most likely, they didn't find out about it. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. 
seems to be a big deal to God. It, I mean, it, it, I don't know what else we do with this, and it's only going to get more profoundly obvious, I think, as we go through the couple texts that we have left. But we better start reading them. Because yeah, I, we better I, start going because we're running out of I'm time. I'm going to start spoil alerts, you know. <laughs> Jer- you want to grab Jeremiah? Sure. Jeremiah yeah. chapter 6, you guys. Uh, we uh, There's a couple verses in here. Um, stop at verse 21, Jeremiah 6, 21. Um, just because uh, that that I love the fact that this verse is in this text because we're going to address it. It, it again lays out very similar to what James does because we're going to look at mourning and weeping when the, when you see your sin, when you realize that this is who you are and this is the behavior and the judgment that's coming from God. There should be mourning and weeping. It should cause us lament. But mm-hmm. be, right before that, he says there's a stumbling block coming. And we're going to see at the end of this process in one of, one of our last passages that that's going to be explained. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful picture. So uh, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 21, and then uh, verses 27 through 30. All right. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am laying stumbling blocks before this people, and they will stumble against them. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend will perish. And then pick up in verse 27, yeah. I have made you an assayer and a tester among my people, that you may know and assay their <clears throat> way. All of them are stubbornly rebellious, going about as a, as a t- tailbearer. They are bronze and iron. They all of them are corrupt. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. In vain the refining goes on. But the wicked are not separated. They call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. I believe that the, the, the tester in that is Christ. It's the stone that's being brought before Israel by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and that's, he's the one that is actually going to test the quality of what they're made of. And, and what do we find in that text? There's nothing left of them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left. They are stubbornly rebellious. They go about with slanderers. The behavior of those who are stubbornly rebellious and who, through the refinement of God, result in their destruction are somehow associated with slanderers. That's terrifying. That that's how God views this. You know, isn't it good that this isn't in the New Testament? (laughs) <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it's not true, you guys. It's all over the New Testament. That's the part that's really terrifying. It's 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 not. Ter- it is terrifying. It should be terrifying to us. This should actually rattle our bones that this behavior is so commonplace in our churches, in my own life. Mm-hmm. That 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 I've actually I've actually had to sit down and, and wrestle through. Where am I doing this? Where, where have I disregarded this? Where have I made excuses for speaking evil of a brother or gossiping? Because uh, the problem is, in, in the Old Testament, it was kind of like gossip. The, you know, it was referenced a little bit. Slander was kind of left alone. It was, you know, small things. Uh, other things were thrown in. But when you get to the New Testament, well, let's just start with Paul in Romans chapter 1. And let's see what he says about this particular behavior and how it applies uh, to the church today. Uh, Romans chapter 1. Let me see what passage, what verse we're starting in. I believe it's verse uh, 28. 
I'll get this one. All right. All right. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Boy, thank goodness that's not us. Wait, chapter 2 continues on. Look at what chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says. Make sure you have your Bibles open just in case I didn't get that into my team correctly. I may not I may have missed this part. Sorry guys. Chapter two, verse one through five says this though in Romans. You gotta see this. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or, you do, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Mm-hmm. What's crazy about those texts, in, in Romans right before that, he talks about the sexual immorality of, of homosexuality and all of the other sexual Im, uh, immorality, sexual uh, deviations that happen within the, the nation, the, the, the passions of the flesh, and that, that this is where the church came out of. Mm-hmm. These are the practices that they came out of. And yet when you see James, he's listing the same things that are in here saying, hey, church, you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think Paul in Romans is talking more broadly about the whole world absolutely being, being <clears throat> un, under that judgment because of uh, general revelation, right. right? Absolutely. But the fear is there's special revelation, which is what we have, and which is why it's it's such an important thing that we understand. <laughs> And we take this seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is he saying too? Therefore, you have no excuse. You know. You have the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You know better. And yet we choose to do it? Paul's saying we're storing a wrath for ourselves. When we live this way, when we look at this sin and we disregard it and we excuse it away, or we make we 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 somehow convince ourselves that it's just not a big deal to gossip about one another in the church. It's not a big, not, not a big deal to envy and, and covet what one another have or to be in division and to, to speak, to slander one another. Is, yeah. it, is it Paul who says that you know, some will be saved so as by fire? Right. You know, I mean, that's what they're going to be. They're going to be left with just the blood of Christ. No reward. At all. At all. But they're storing up the opposite of, of treasure. Well, and that's the and we go, it's go. You go right back to that refining fire. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Jesus is referencing. He's probably referencing the Old Testament 
uh, that Old Testament prophecy about the, the Jeremiah that you're, they're going to be, there's nothing going to be left. They're going to go through the refining fire and there'll be nothing left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's putting on ashes going, uh, can we do this now? <laughs> let's, just, let's just get rid of this now. Yeah. I, I want to deal with it today. I don't want to deal with it at the judgment seat. I want to deal with it now. Amen. And I do, but I don't. I mean, I do, but the reality is I don't because I see it in my life. I watch the reality of that, that decision to disregard God as the one judge, the one who can save and destroy. I, I downplay that somehow in my own mind. I, I, I'm complacent or I'm, I, I undervalue him. I, I, I don't see him for who he really is. Yeah. And well, therefore, I do these things. It's hard because you have, you have the word, you have this, you have the living word in front of you. It is truly living, but it is an old book. Yes. And it's got <clears throat> cultural references and things that just make it seem so antiquated and um, far away from us and our understanding of the right. world around us. Right. And then on the other spectrum, on the other side of things, you have the world telling you, be like us. Yeah, it's Fit good. In. Right. And from from a child, we're all supposed to be conformists. We're all supposed to fit in. We're you yep. know, be normal. Yep. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. That's programmed in us. Yeah. As human beings. We even do it as as Christian parents. We don't like our kids asking why. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We don't like it. Yeah. Just do it because I told you, because it takes way too much work to explain the why. It takes way it's way more work to be intentional with our instruction to our children and to teach, and to train, and to raise them up with the knowledge of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It's way easier to just do what I told you. Go to church and be quiet. Listen to what they have to say. Yep. Yeah. Man, hey, stop meddling with that. <laughs> Good grief. You're get, nobody's going to be listening to this here pretty soon. I'm turning this off. Well, that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but uh, yeah, it, it is the conviction for me in my heart is that I want to get this. I don't want to keep. I don't want to keep having to come back to this. And I know it's part of the sanctification, uh, sanctif- uh, sanctification process that God does. You know, Hebrews ten fourteen says that we are with one sacrifice. We've been made perfect by, but while we're being sanctified, that that we're perfected for all time. So mm-hmm. it's an eternal perfection that comes through Christ while we're being sanctified. That's the reality. We know that that's true. But I don't like the fact that when I read this, I see some of these things still present in me. That, that that still pop up it and some days less some days more um and i i probably the thing that i'm more frustrated with is that i don't lament it the way i think i should mm-hmm. i don't see it as desperately wicked and evil is how i should see it that 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 behavior is is actually exposing a reality of how, what my heart is doing mm-hmm. what my heart thinks or what my heart is bent towards. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the part that is terrifying to me. And Paul speaks about that in, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, grab 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. Read that one for us when you get there. For I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish, and may be found by you to be not what you wish that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry, tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances, 
I'm afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, immorality, sensuality, which they have practiced. Isn't it interesting that he ties quarreling and jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, disorder, all of this stuff, he ties all of that to the practice of immorality in this passage. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like he's saying, if you're living this way, then you are in sin, unrepentant sin. You know, one of the hard questions we probably need to ask is, you know, hey, church, is there quarreling in our church? Is there jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip? Good thing there's no conceit. There's no pride. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> any disorder? Are, are, are any, of these, any of these things present? Because if they are, if, if they embody or, or, or a commonplace thing within our culture as a church, then we have to wrestle with the reality. Yeah, we got to deal with them. <laughs> somehow we're not we're not living in repentant lives with God. We are there's sin that is unrepentant in the church. Mm-hmm. The bigger question is: Is that in my life? Do I see any of these things happening repeatedly in my life? It only takes a little bit of cancer to kill the whole body. Yeah. And that a little is leaven it, leavens the whole. Yeah, lump. <laughs> and that that's his illustration. Mm-hmm. You put a little bit in there, and it does it destroys the whole thing. Let's jump to First Peter. Um, we really aren't going to get past this. We're going to get you guys in our in. If you have the sermon notes, if you if you go online and print them up, um, from there you're going to see that we're only getting to point one tonight. <laughs> we're not going the full hour. <laughs> we're not going. <laughs> well, will you guys hang with us for another hour? Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, text us with a thumbs up if you're planning on staying around. First um, <laughs> Peter two. Let's see. Let's see how long it takes us to get through this particular passage. First Peter two, uh, verses one through twelve. Are you comfortable with that one? Would you sure. take that? Sure. Verse one. <clears throat> Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord and coming to him as to a living stone which has has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, 
which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. I think it's interesting that he he starts off this text with put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. Slander. When we think about hypocrisy, it's the it it's really the idea of of pointing our finger at somebody else and saying you should be living by this standard, even though we're not demanding that they somehow live by a standard that we are not doing ourselves. Um, you know, we we look at that within the context of the church. We look at that within the context of relationship. And Peter says that rather, or what when when we are putting these things away, when we're, we're choosing a life that's pursuing a relationship with the Lord, as a newborn babe does, like spiritual milk, that it's a passionate fervor that the babies have for when it's time to eat. They they're pretty aggressive about that. <laughs> um, and yet he says he he compares that to if indeed you have tasted. So it's almost like. If you've tasted this, why would you not give these things up and pursue the Lord? So the contrast or the, the application may be as simple as if we're not giving these things up, if we're choosing gossip and slander and to live hypo- in a, a lifestyle of hypocrisy, uh, malice and deceit, if we're choosing these things, then there's a real chance we haven't tasted the goodness of the Lord, that we don't mm-hmm. understand who he is. We don't understand his character, his nature. We, we don't understand him. That's well. Hopefully, best case scenario, we're not choosing those things, but right. we're just not engaging in the battle of Lord, in, Lord willing. Yeah, Lord willing. But I mean, obviously, we—it's not enough to just stop to not do those, not do the bad, the malice and deceit, hypocrisy and envying. You have to put something on. You have to put on Christ. Yeah. You have to long for that milk, and you have yep. to be fed by it. it's. It's why. When Jesus tells us, teaches his apostles how to pray, yep. he says, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Are we asking for daily bread? Are we in the word daily? And that's convicting to me because I'm not always in the word yep. daily. Yep. You know? I know. And, and I make excuses. I got to go to work. Um, I got to get a little bit more sleep because got to perform well at work and i got to get yeah you know, i have to preach yeah yeah so you can't be in the word no it it i don't have time for that <laughs> it's disturbing but that's a reality mm-hmm. I, i'll get busy with with things and do the same exact thing isn't it interesting in here peter describes him as this precious stone this stone of great value this amazing part of the cornerstone of the church, a foundational piece, but for those who don't believe, it's the stumbling block of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. It's the stumbling block of the slanderers and, and, and those, the evildoers who are being judged by God, mm-hmm. who even though they are, even though they know the truth, they're stubbornly rebellious and they're rejected because even through the refinement process, through all of the fl- fire that God gives them to remove the dross and to make them pure and perfect for his presence, they reject it and end up being rejected because there's, there was nothing left of them. Mm-hmm. That's the stumbling block that's right here. And, and Peter goes, but you've been called apart. You've been called away from that for a different thing, for a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. It's to glorify to be a holy God, priesthood. to be a holy priesthood, yeah. yeah, to reflect his excellence, his and, glory to the world. 
to to build that that temple that Christ is the cornerstone. Yeah, and we all we're all to be one, to be in unison, so that we're a proper dwelling place of God. Absolutely, in our hearts. Absolutely, yeah. and that should be that. In theory, that should be visible to the world. Right to see the difference. Yep, to see our relationship with each other. Isn't it interesting that he, he takes us back in verse 12 of 1 Peter, he takes us back to being that our conduct, our lives, would be lived in such a way that when the Gentiles accuse us of evil, when they accuse us of doing things that they have deemed wrong, that we would be held up as the... I believe what the text is saying is that our good deeds would actually glorify the character of God at Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. That our behavior, our turning away from all of these things, putting off envy, putting off hypocrisy and slander and all this stuff that, that started out this passage, that by living those different lives, when our judgment is exposed, when the, when the judgment of God is exposed on the earth, his character would be justified he'd be like yep see they they got it Mm -hmm. and their lives reflect that and that was your that was your testimony yeah this was my body i i have a question for you because i you know we're told to pray to pray in secret you know yeah so that other men don't don't see you and that you're not right you're not seeking for the you know admiration of the world and man um but here our good deeds are visible to the world. Right. What does that look like for us as a church and individual believers? I mean, obviously, it's those good deeds are formed to each other, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's it. That's not, it's not exclusively to each other. No, it's clearly not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know that the world watches how we love one another, right? That, that, that's one of the great um, commands of Christ is, you know, Love one another, and, and the world will know that you're my disciple by how you love one another. I can't right. remember the reference, um, but we know that that's part of it. Um, but he also he also references that people will know, you know, that they'll see our good deeds. He he speaks of that in um, when he says that we've when we've done this to the least of these, we've done it unto him. There's a behavioral process that the church lives in and how they relate to the world, orphans, widows, or exactly well, yeah. those who are those who are poor. Mm-hmm. The, the, all, all of those, all of the people around us, how the church relates to them and lives with them and cares for them is going to be an example to the rest of the world to see how that how they live. The posture of the heart, I think, in that particular, especially particularly when he's giving the parable about the Pharisee, was they were they were standing there to get the praise of men. Mm-hmm. They did not serve to get the praise of God. And so it ultimately goes back to that heart issue, like we talk, we're talking about, um, I think, in, in Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. the meek will inherit the, the kingdom of God. The, the, there's, there's this posture of humility and exalting of God that when we live that way outside of just Sunday morning, the world's going to notice it. It should be how I work. It should be how... Oh, I don't want to say this. <laughs> Somebody else say it. it. should be how I drive. <laughs> That's not nice. Should be how I talk about my church family. Mm-hmm. Should be how I talk about my brothers and sisters in the Lord who I have conflict with. You know, I 
uh, a little while ago. Um, I read Crime and Punishment, and uh, it's a classic, but it's not. It's it's hard to wrap your mind around why it grips people so much, and and I think it 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 talks it just speaks to humanity and the love that we can have for one another and the love that we don't have for one another. Mm-hmm. And when you see people in in a state of despair and lostness and pain, um, it wakes you up. Yeah. Absolutely. To to care for them. Yep. Whether they're a brother or not, you know? And that's part of our problem too here is that we're just lulled into a state of complacency of, you know, everybody's comfortable, so I can ignore everybody. Yeah. I can be apathetic because they're all taken care of. Yep. And there's no need. But it's a lie. <laughs> well, and it's yeah. even it's even easier for us to live in conflict with one another because we're not stuck going to church every day with the same people. We can just change churches. We we can go somewhere else and find somewhere else to be and not be with those people, not be in that conflict, not have to deal with with the reality of that truth. Um, I think the most painful part of this text is really the addition of the, 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 the second half of this that we're not getting to tonight, mm-hmm. is that when we behave this way, we literally are judging God's law and making ourselves a judge, making ourselves above God. And I don't see it that way. I, I see conflict with my brothers. I even see gossip as being, man, it's not good for the church. It's unhealthy. I don't see it as being heaping up wrath for myself, as as Romans talks about, as Paul is is challenging the church to say, you have no excuse. You know better than this. Mm-hmm. I don't see it that way. That's the conviction of my heart, even tonight, um, as we were wrestling with this, is that I will quickly downplay this kind of stuff and just excuse it. And I... You can't get away from this in the text. I suppose the reality is is that um, well, the, really the question we need to ask tonight is are we going to live in obedience? Are we going to obey? The, you know, the, yeah, if we hadn't read this, we'd probably be okay. <laughs> That's the problem. Huh? You know, one thing, though, that is comforting to me is that I'm not the smartest person. I know people who are vastly more intelligent than I am, who can grasp deep things in the Word of God. But that's not, God doesn't require intelligence. Right. You know? And right. Yep. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Yep. And that brings a peace to my heart because I know it's going to be okay. I don't have to know the answers. I right. don't have to search everything right. out. You know, at the end of the day, I can say, oh, God, because you are Lord. Yeah. You told me so. Yep. I can keep those commandments. I can try to keep those commandments yep. as best I can and know that the rest is covered under the blood of Jesus. Yeah, I can, I can bow humbly before you and say you're right. This is, un, this is unbecoming of but a child of God. The only reason you can do that is because of Christ in your heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's where our hope comes from. Mm-hmm. So really the response probably tonight is to look at this text and ask the question, do you see any of this in your life? 
do I see any of this in my life? If I do, then my response needs to go back up a couple verses in James and fall on my face before God, humble myself and, and lament mm. and mourn the sinful desires of my heart, and then in faith, in hope, depend on, trust in the work and blood of Jesus Christ on the cross and the payment for my sin, because I can't do it on my own. I can't get rid of this. I've been trying for, you know, half of a hundred years almost. That's why at at the revelation, at the end, it's all singing praises. Yep. Holy, holy, holy. Every knee. We're all bowed singing. (laughs) To, To the glory of God. Yep. Man, I hope you guys, man, I hope this was encouraging or may, may not have been encouraging. <laughs> Hopefully it was convicting. Hopefully it was, it was, it causes us to wrestle with the word of God, to, to take this and view it rightly, to wrestle with it honestly and say, God, is this in me? I, am I behaving in any way? Am I disregarding what you're, sh- what you're showing me in the text as being sinful and, and out of place for a child of God. And if we are, we should repent. We should, we should lament the reality of the sin that's in our heart and cry out to the Lord, acknowledge that he's right, humble ourselves, and, and, and follow him and seek him. I want to encourage you to take that challenge tonight and to do that this evening. If you know somebody that you have a conflict with, if, if you've screwed up, I did it. I, messed up and 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 wounded my bride the other day and had to go back and apologize because i'm not very smart either after 25 years i still make do dumb things and say (laughs) dumb stuff i had to go back and apologize and and make that relationship right if you have anybody in the church anybody even in your neighborhood go and be like christ go and live out this reality and acknowledge that what he's saying is 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 true here in his word and and obey Mm -hmm. i may mess up tomorrow but you know what i'm going to do I'm going to confess it, and I'm going to obey then. Amen. That's the hope I have, is that he'll say, okay, let's go. Man, if, again, if it's encouraging, if it's convicting, if you feel like uh, you want to share this with somebody, please do that in the, in, in the share option down there on Facebook and uh, send this out to people. And, and our prayer is that God would use it to convict hearts and to change the life of the church to change how we live as a church. We should not be filled with conflict and envy and deceit and bitterness and malice and slander. That should not be the reputation of the church. It should not be. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you on Sunday, 10 o'clock. Some of you here, some of you online. Um, I look forward to interacting with you all. And uh, may God bless you in your pursuit of him this week as we try and trust and obey in all that he tells us to do. Mm -hmm. See ya. Have a good night.